Welcome back. Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house at Amelie's French Cafe and Bakery Brams. It's a coffee cast. Welcome to the coffee cast. John, what are you drinking? Cheers. I've got a, a nice iced coffee here this morning. It's a beautiful Friday morning in the QC. Uh, with a little bit of cream. I always, I, I don't drink coffee black. I like to put a little half and half in there, get me going for um, a nice weekend of a lot of beers in my future. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I always tell the joke that when I drink coffee, I like a coffee-flavored milkshake. You know, it's <laughs> it's more about the cream and sugar than the coffee. You've but, got uh, a, a good-looking, was it a cappuccino? There, yeah, or? I busted out a little latte. You know, get some espresso, get me going this morning. And like you said, we, we got a big weekend ahead. We had a midweek party, which we don't always do, so we, we didn't feel the need to... Uh, press the uh, alcoholic content of this episode. It's Friday morning. It's a beautiful Friday morning in Charlotte. Uh, the, the squad has already taken themselves to the Rocky Mountains. We are basking in the glow of a first cup win and a, a nice cup draw for the next round. We got a big road match. We're in it. We're in the thick of the season. It's, it's no longer building up and getting started. We're in it now. There's no doubt about it. And you know who else was in it? The crew. Wednesday night in Greenville. Oof, oof. What a showing from the Charlotte supporters groups there. Yep. Danny, Danny Brams and I, we marched into the stadium. I got a smoke bomb. Thanks yeah. to uh, the soccer goose, Ben Goosehorn, for uh, tossing me that smoke bomb as we so I could march in and uh, be a little festive on the, in the, uh, on the journey. It was great. It was an absolute party. There was 4,000 people um, at Greenville Triumph Stadium on, on Wednesday night. 120 minutes that game went. Charlotte gets its first cup win that that you mentioned and it, it's a huge win it's a huge win and and the reason why is the same exact reason why in the past when we've played lower tier squads even in the preseason i've said the alternative is to get embarrassed right the, the alternative is to lose to the charleston battery in your first ever preseason competitive game i don't know, you know? if that happened I, <laughs> sadly i was there it did happen but this was much better this is a much better showing Shout out to Greenville Triumph. They were no pushovers. They their were fans, up for it, for sure. Their fans were lame. <laughs> they were okay. They were okay. Honestly, I mean, no, they yeah, weren't. I don't know. Uh, They're like, trying to build something. Trying to build what? Like, <laughs> consistent shit talk for 120 minutes? That's true. That's true. I'm, I'm thinking of the one. You're thinking of the ones that were sitting behind us. I'm thinking of the Greenville Triumph supporter section, which I thought was, we was wa- given a yeah, good go they, of they, they, The, they, the they, ones sitting right next to us were horrible. I completely agree. Some of honestly the worst fans I've ever seen and just to add some context so we bought tickets behind Charlotte FC's bench second row uh, wanted to key in on MAR watch his communication with the squad um, which paid off way, yes. we'll get into it a bit later Absolutely. but that paid off his, his relationship with Adam Armour <laughs> I, I promise you there's there's been a lot of discussion between Adam Armour and Miguel Angel about the future of the uh, 18-year-old's time here um, in Charlotte. He's the future of this club. There's no doubt about uh, about that period. But in that section with us, about you know five or six rows behind, you've got these Greenville Triumph fans who are just absolutely running their mouth at every single opportunity. It took everything in me. I was like, it's a beautiful evening. I'm sitting here. I'm watching the match. It took everything in me not to turn around and be like, yo, guys, shut up. Like, if you got a problem with being a USL1 team and losing to an MLS club, then don't come next time. 
because as soon as Charlotte took that 2-1 lead in extra time, their tune immediately went to, oh, you shouldn't be celebrating. You should be embarrassed that you needed an extra time goal against the USL1 team. That type of attitude as a soccer fan is, quite frankly, disgraceful. So I, I found it just beta, you know? It's just like accepting some secondary position in life. Like, they were surprised they were in it. They must Were they surprised that their team was there fighting, trying to be in the game? Did they expect to lose? I didn't get it. I also thought that there was, like, a Charlotte FC fan there as well that was just, like, way off base, almost heckling MAR. And I was really disappointed by that. I just thought the like the, the game was fun, but I thought like some individuals in the crowd were really disappointing. And, and so and, and that includes Charlotte FC fans who I don't know what their expectations were, but like the eleven players that started are backup players. Yeah, full rotation. The part that was most interesting to me was there was a Greenville Triumph fan who probably in like the seventy fifth minute went behind Greenville's bench and just unloaded on their coach for like a minute straight. Who was a, who's, a, who's a famous legendary right. yeah, USA John player. Harks. Yeah, John Harks is the coach of the Greenville Triumph. He's, you know, a U.S. men's national team stalwart from back in the day. I, you'd think they would show some respect. There was a fan that literally, remember, this is kind of like a high school stadium, so like, you know, you could just get right there and talk mm-hmm. to them if you wanted. Yeah, yeah. Like, the guy, they would, if you heckled, they heard you. Yeah. And... This guy went behind Greenville's bench and was just like, what are you doing? Why isn't this kid playing? This is embarrassing, unbelievable, and just unloaded on him, leaning over the edge of the railing for like a minute straight. And to his credit, he didn't turn around and acknowledge it. But at that point, I'm thinking to myself, and that is the overall vibe, right? And that's what I really am trying to get at with all this. This wasn't like a happy-go-lucky cup Wednesday night in Greenville. This was grungy. It was right. grimy. Mm-hmm. It was grassroots. It was um, uh, indie. It was like going to an indie film. Mm-hmm. It was like going to a, a a band that is underground. Yeah. Right? It was just the vibes that you got at this match were not, hey. Like going to a punk rock show at the state fairgrounds type of situation. Totally. You know? yeah. And I, quite frankly, I'm surprised nobody fought. <laughs> It got a little chippy, you know. I mean, it, it got a, it was tense. Really Miguel tense. and Hal talked all in the previous to the match press conference about, oh, it's a cup game, it's fun, it's loose, you know, people don't play scared, and then that was the exact opposite of what we saw on the pitch for sure. So I, I just wanted for people that weren't there that that may have watched on ESPN Plus and shout out to ESPN Plus, um, you know, the company that employs one of our co-hosts here. <laughs> Uh, on the pod. Shout out to them for broadcasting all these U.S. Open Cup matches. Um, I was able to, to re-watch 90 minutes of the match before here recording the pod just to get a different perspective um, on the game to maybe give you some more insight into some some individual performances, some, some tactics that, you know, when you're field level like that basically right behind MAR, you don't have a tactical view like you would maybe on TV. So we've, we've, we've basically had the, the ability to share with the audience you know, what the vibe was like at the stadium. Brams and I got really lucky when we went to Atlanta, down and back on 85. On a Wednesday night at rush hour, I-85 did not treat us well. It almost took three hours to go 93 miles. Yeah, we were stuck in traffic pretty much all the way from from the 
when we first started trying to leave Charlotte. And it kind of put us in a little bit of a salty mood, I, I would say, when we got there. But shout out, because as we walked up to the stadium about you know, 30 minutes before kickoff, sort of started mingling in with the supporters groups that were getting a nice tailgate going. Some of the tension from that drive started to seep away, and we sort of got into the spirit. We saw CLTFC Fan TV, shout out to Lee. He was there being being silly and having fun. He was nice bantering. Yeah, I, I yeah. reminded him. I went up to him and I said, hey, man, just so you know, that's the guy that led your show last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And he said he wants us back, you know, cursing up a storm on, on his uh, on his cast next next home game. So probably be there again. We'll see. It, it was it was fun to see that group. It really was. And uh, he gave us shit, rightfully so. He's like, what time did you guys leave? Right, right. We were complaining about the traffic. And he's like, well, you should have left at 1 o'clock, not 3.45. I'm like, yeah, you're probably yeah, right about that. But, buddy, hey, yeah. we had we – <laughs> Chelsea Arsenal was on in the yeah, Z-Shed. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exciting first half. It was it was hard to get out um, you know, early. People do have work to do sometimes. They do. Um, so I, I just wanted to finish off the storytelling pre-match just with one final note, which some of our listeners will appreciate. The second we get in there, it, Danny Brams heads right to the beer stand and gets six beers. <laughs> so it was a power move just let me just put it that way it was an absolute power move no i was driving so i only had two beers throughout the entire match um which i don't think i'm incriminating myself there i i, I don't believe I, I i don't think that's i think you're good yeah you didn't drink after halftime i think yeah I think that's, it's all that's good. past the, I'm, I'm not incriminating myself let me just put it that way but uh our buddy geslin was with us and he and i did imbibe and had uh, uh put a hurting on some of those beer stands so well done <laughs> Wicked Weed Pernicious, it was treating me right. You know, what can I say? We're not drinking a beer today, so we can't really shout out anybody, but I'll, I'll shout them out for uh, Wednesday night. They had the Stella skinny can bullets, and I was really happy to see that. You know, that's the, so they, they put on a show. This is the largest crowd, and that's why I think I want, to, I want to spend the first 10 minutes of the show just talking about the experience, doing mm-hmm. some storytelling, because there's only 4,000 people there. Right. But you know, it, We were in the minority of Charlotte FC fans who were able to get in the car and make the drive and enjoy the match. And I would recommend anyone to get in the car and drive to Richmond yeah. for Charlotte FC's next match in the U.S. Open Cup on the road at Richmond. I think it's a Wednesday night, May yep, uh, the, the 11th. The 11th. At 6.30, I believe. So kind of early. Probably going to have to make, make a day of it. You said you're 50-50. I, I, will, I will be there because I have like this, when I talked about the the indie nature of mm-hmm. the U.S. Open Cup, like, I'm into that. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm 100% wanting to go 50-50 on being able to pull it off. We'll see. Okay. We will see. So. But uh, the one thing I wanted to point out, which I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but did you know there were more people at the Charlotte-Greenville U.S. Open Cup match than at the Oakland A's Major League Baseball game on Wednesday night? Oh, God. <laughs> there, was, there was only about 3,000 in attendance in Oakland. So uh, I saw Woody Wilder tweeting out some stats about that, the Charlotte FC communications director, and uh, I wholeheartedly loved it. You know, I think I hit the retweet button because, uh, you know, all due respect to baseball, I'm not here to start a fight between baseball and soccer. I think you can and should love both. But what I don't like is uh, what most of us soccer fans are familiar with, which is other sports trying to lord it over us. So I do enjoy scoring a point or two back in terms of, pointing out that if you're against the wave the rising wave of soccer in this country then you are going to get left behind 
you, you know, I, I, I'm not, you can, to each your own, you do what you want, but if you want to keep hating soccer in the United States in 2022, you're on the way out. There's a prominent radio voice here in town who works for a rights holder of Charlotte FC that really stuck his foot in his mouth this week um, on that very subject. Mm -hmm. And the way... I guess I'll put it as what I did on our Twitter account, right? You can go there. You can go to at for the crown baby, our, our show handle. And uh, we asked for some followers on the last episode and y'all listeners came through. We're up over a hundred. So, so we really appreciate that. And um, if you go at for the crown baby, you'll, you'll see my response to the negativity, negativity surrounding Charlotte FC this week and one of its radio right holders partners. And, I want to echo it here on the show because this is what you're going to get. I said, we love soccer, we celebrate soccer, and we don't let the haters get in the way of our love for the beautiful game. So when it comes to haters of sports, of players, of people, whatever, I think that, and I'm going to get on the, the high horse that's called life advice here on the pod, and it's like, if you allow people to like what they like, without chastising them for liking what they like, you'll actually live a much happier life because it actually doesn't impact you one bit mm -hmm. when somebody else likes. Right. So It impacts you more to carry all that negative energy in, in your soul, you know, to be right. perfectly honest, to be a hater. You know? I, I actually called the station and got on hold yesterday as John from Charlotte. <laughs> Uh, but never got on the show. <laughs> Were you going to go at him a little I bit? I was going to. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So this is, hey, this is an open invite for him to get on the show. Like, if he wanted to ever come on this show, Kyle Bailey from WFNZ, have a conversation about Charlotte FC and U.S. soccer in America, I'll give him a lesson about just, like, how to act as a rights holder partner mm -hmm. with the soccer club. As you can tell, I'm pretty pissed off. And the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I knew there would be people like Kyle Bailey in this city who tries to drag Charlotte FC down because they're afraid because they don't know a damn thing about soccer. And instead of trying to learn and become better at your job and embrace this new group of, of fans in the city, you push them away. Crazy. That's just not what you want to do. I mean, it just comes down, kind, kind of comes down to the type of person you are. Like when I see a bunch of people excited about something I'm not familiar with, my first instinct is to try to learn, not yeah. to reject. Wow, so. those people look happy. Yeah. They look like they're having a good time. What are they doing? Yeah, like, exactly. I want to try yeah. that out. Yeah. And uh, so let's just move on from that. Because yeah. I, I just, Drive to Atlanta and watch the Braves. Buddy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go, go. Yeah. So let's go on the field and discuss whether, first and foremost, will any player that started Wednesday against Greenville start on Saturday night against Colorado? I think TT could, but probably not. Other than, uh, I think Armour could. But maybe that's just optimism. Other than that, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody that went 120 minutes can start. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I, that makes a lot of sense for sure. It was only a couple days ago, and I'll just maybe tee you up and let you go off here for a minute uh, on our boy Adam Armour, who did the 120 minutes, who created the first goal with just an absolutely bullish run, give and go play with gains, and then an audacious back heel attempt to even attempt that that shot was amazing it was on target it was saved and then tt was able to run down and score the rebound adam armor did it i mean he created it all and like you were saying from our vantage point when we could see the interactions between him and mar when he would come over when he was not getting passes from a few of his teammates when guys like joe Moore were kind of playing a little too slow to get the the advance going he would come over and just kind of like 
you you almost saw that look. They were looking at each other, and it's like, I know. And Miguel's looking at him like, I know, bro. I know. I'm sorry. I I, I wish I wish I could get these guys to help you more. I, I don't know. Maybe that was the wrong vibe. I'm not sure. I don't want to put thoughts in people's heads. But with that, John, what do you think about Autumn Armour? I'm going to show you his heat map on SofaScore. And this tells the story of the match for Adam Armour. The guy is literally everywhere. He is a positionless star for this football club. He can play left back. He can play center attacking midfield. He can play right wing. He could even probably play striker if yeah. he wanted him to. I mean, he was switching sides. You Everything. Know? Just like the guy has, does it all. And he was the key cog on this team. Now, SofaScore actually rates him a 6.1, which is one of the lower ratings on the field. Um, And I I can understand that considering, you know, he didn't have sustained possession and pressure whipping balls into the box. He was more of like a annoyance yeah. to Greenville just a, for being all over the place. Just a dynamo, a catalyst. He was he he made things happen that may not show up in the in the uh, score sheet and the the statistical rating uh, point of view. And you know, he made he, there were plays where he might lose possession and you get you get dinged on sofa score for for losing a possession, but it's like that's because he's out there trying to make something happen. He doesn't have people up there with him sort of linking up. So I, what I wanted to do talking about Adam Armour is I wanted to give him credit first and foremost for going 120 minutes, right? We, we, we said we, we love players that go 90. Well, we got players that went 120 wow. um, in this match. Adam Armour, Sergio Ruiz, Harrison Offal, game winner. A nice give and go with our boy, who we should have mentioned already, who yeah. made his debut. How did it take Yusviak. us this long to bring up Yuzviak? Yeah, I mean that that was a moment. That just watching him sub in when that he was subbing in right in front of us. That was just a moment to see that number seven go up on the board, and he was awesome. He was dynamic and catalytic as well. I mean, I think he had four shots, five shots. One was on target. He had obviously the game-winning give and go assist to Harrison, and. Uh, he, he, he looked amazing. He was switching sides also. He Him and Armour were sort of playing off each other and, and going back and forth from the left to the right as needed. And that connection between Camille and Harrison. Uh, Camille came off the bench and, and earned a 7.7 rating on SofaScore and, and, and had the assist on that goal. Mm-hmm. So not only is he we, – we've been waiting for him so long to, to – to not just see him, but to see him play. Mm-hmm. And he comes on the field in the U.S. Open Cup match and he assists the game-winning goal. Right. I mean, it's just like, the only thing better than that, obviously, is if he would have scored. But the highest-rated player on the pitch for Charlotte FC the entire night was Harrison Offal. Yeah, he was amazing. 7.9, almost an 8.0 um, with one goal at the right-back position. That's really freaking like, hard to do. I, I kept saying this. I, I don't know if I was annoying you because uh, I was a little uh, tipsy, but I kept repeating this over and over as we were sitting next to you. I was like, man, I wish this guy, like, wish we'd have been able to get him five years ago because he's such a quality player. He's just a little bit long in the tooth career-wise as someone who's been running you know, byline to byline for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, it, it does start to take its toll but like just seeing him on the ball the confidence the poise uh the ideas i told you all another thing i told he loves a shot because i followed this guy with the columbus crew you know for years before he came over and this is a guy that i always put on my fantasy teams because i know he's an attack-minded defender and he loves a shot that he he got a shot he found his way to take a shot and it was the game-winning shot six interceptions as well so he's getting it done three tackles and uh, the one thing I wanted to look at was his crosses. Three crosses. 
from that right back mm -hmm. position. So in my rewatch, I noticed that he was getting the ball in the box. I, I really did notice that. So he, he had an amazing game. He went 120 minutes. Wanted to give him a shout-out for that. Want to give Anton Walks a shout-out for going 120 minutes. Great playing. Um, and then um, that's, the, that's the crew. Uh, it's Ruiz, it's Walks, Awful, and Armour. That's the 120-minute crew. Those are my boys. And those are the guys that won't play. Yeah, yeah. The, those guys probably have no chance. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, let's shout out Jan Sobaczynski, who was really – he caught the eye. I think he was rated pretty well by Sofa, if I saw. And he left – He played fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he – 7.5. Le he left an extra time with an injury, if I'm not mistaken. But I I'm in, I'm believe that's injury's no big deal. It was more precautionary. Coa Santos came on for him. Uh, the Hawaiian sensation, man. We shouted him out last episode that he might get in there. And I actually felt kind of bad because then – I didn't know this at the time we were recording uh, last week, but he had been loaned to the Independence for a game, and he actually made USL Team of the Week playing for the Independence. And then he came back to us and was playing our U.S. Open Cup a few days later. So Coe was out there getting some, and he was kind of—I don't think he was anticipating to play in the in the Cup match, but he kind of had to go in there because of injury. And then Fuchs switched over. Fuchs came in. I mean, it was—we did not think we'd see Christian Fuchs out there either, but he was out there. I felt like that was almost like a, MAR was kind of like, uh, I don't want to have to play Fuxi, but we're 1-1 against Greenville. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get this win, yeah, so your, let's put our captain your, in. It's you your know? classic rescue the cup campaign. Yeah, exactly. And he was, he was active. He was great. And, and my one takeaway um, about seeing Christian Fuchs again against inferior opponents, less so than a regular MLS side. We've seen Fuchs play up close. We've seen his ability to control the game. So there's two things that I want to identify about Christian Fuchs and what he brings to this squad that, to me, it was like, you know, having blurred vision and then all of a sudden seeing perfectly clear when Christian Fuchs came on the field because it showed exactly what this squad was missing for the first 87 minutes of the match, and it was a vocal leader, right? The more that I thought about it, we could hear everything that was being said on the pitch. You could hear the players, and there was no one speaking up on the pitch loudly at all and speaking to the team that way. It was M.A.R. on the sideline. Mm -hmm. M.A.R. was barking out instruction to goalkeeper George Marks, who had a decent game for his first start for Charlotte FC. I uh, want to give him some some love as well for not making any crucial mistakes. Right, nice diving punch out. Back. Yeah, exactly right. He had a nice game, but Mar was the the man who who used his voice to lead. As soon as Fuchs came on the field, he was barking orders like a freaking army general, mm -hmm. and um, the team responded to that. And then secondly, before Fuchs came on, Charlotte FC had no threat in the air whatsoever. As soon as Fuchs came on, you could just see his, and I'll call it world-class ability, because compared to everybody else on the squad, Fuchs has been at a world-class level. Yeah, he's captained Austria before. Captain Austria, won the Premier League, uh, has played with, with some of the best strikers in Premier League history. And yeah, I'm speaking about Jamie Vardy. It's a Vardy party. Guy smokes cigarettes at halftime. Unbelievable. But anyway, as soon as Fuchs came in, there's a reason why he almost got the winner in extra time for the 90 minutes is because he's an aerial threat in the box, which mm. which goes to show another reason why 
he needs to play center back. Center back responsibility in the box is to get your head on the ball. And he is still so good at that. Not even, not just in the box, in a defensive role, using the, his head on the ball to maintain possession. He is just so good for this squad in that center back role. And just from this point forward, I just never want to see him play left back again for this team. Right. I mean, he has great foot for crosses, but everything else he does is much more important to us. We have other guys who can cross. Exactly. Exactly. We don't have other guys who can do the other things that he's doing so well. I will say that I it would have been great to see Fuxi score that uh, you know late late winner before extra time started if it had gone in. It was a nice header on a set piece, but it's probably good that he didn't because as I told you at the time, I would probably have spent the night in the Greenville jail if he had gone in because it was so close to the end and I was so hyped. I was going to jump over the fence and pitch invade and celebrate with the team if if that goal had gone in. So it's probably good that it didn't. Can I uh, bring up one more thing when, when I'm looking back at the match details that I didn't realize at the time, but I realized in my rewatch that this happened, that um, Danny Rios got a yellow card within his 30 seconds, first 30 seconds on the field. And did you see why he got the yellow card? No. Because he like came on the field too early. Oh, I missed that. My bad. During yeah. the substitution. I don't like, like that. He's waiting to get subbed on, and he comes on the field too early. So, you know, when you watch soccer and you see the substitute have to wait for the player to mm-hmm. come off, that's like the first time I've ever seen that. Yeah, I don't like refs trying to show people up for little ticky-tack stuff like that, but give a warning before a yellow, come on, So for that. I want to underscore it as a lack of concentration and something that can't happen. There's a reason why you don't see that type of yellow card very often is because it's very easy to do. You just wait for your player to come off and, and and you go on. So I just thought that was it was it was a strange lapse of concentration there. But in the 65th minute, when Danny Rios, when Camille Uzviak, when Ben Bender, and when Brant Bronico came on the field, the game just completely switched and they were able to show their class and uh, another reason why, you know, the Greenville fans really got under my skin. It's like we told like Someone asked us, hey, are these your starters playing? We yeah. Like, we are like, no. This yeah. is literally a fully changed squad. So That was pretty funny. It's, it's not surprising that it was a close game. In fact, it was an enjoyable game. Um, so is, is there anything else uh, that you want to talk about as far as this match is concerned before we um, head to tomorrow night in Colorado? Uh, just one thing, and that was the one thing. I don't hate to end on a negative note, but it was a little disheartening to see MAR at one point just kind of feel like he had to abandon the playing out of the back style and like abandon his model and his system what he's trying to do and at one point just in exasperation he just yelled George just kick it and he like waved his arm just, he, he just he, he completely at one point he's in the early, the early second half he just hit the long ball he just said alright you guys are not doing what I uh, want to see in the system that I would prefer to play so just dumb it down and just kick it deep and we won you know, so it's fine. Uh, you know, winning a race is a lot of that stuff, but I, I, it shouldn't go unremarked upon that when we we still, as much as we talk about our depth and we enjoy our depth and we feel like we have good guys in good positions, it's that that second team was nowhere near where MAR wanted him to be in terms of playing the system. Totally, and it was the lack of connection between the center defensive midfielder Derek Jones and the attacking midfielders in TT Ortiz. Now those, that was the, the lack of connection was right there. And we've talked about that before, the center circle. 
right? I, and when when you watch Charlotte FC games, and I'm not talking to you, Danny Brams, I'm talking to the audience. When when you're watching Charlotte FC football matches, like watch the center circle. Tell me who is who is is heading to the cir- center circle to receive a pass. Who is coming towards the ball to receive a pass from our defensive midfielder, who likely will be Bronico tomorrow night in Colorado. He'll start in that position in front of the, the two center backs, likely for me. And who he's connecting with, who is coming to receive the ball from him in the center circle? That's the question. If nobody does that tomorrow night, Charlotte FC loses. If Ben Bender can get himself in the starting lineup and receive the ball in the center circle and turn and look, then all of a sudden we've got big time business and we can win this match. And if it's not Ben Bender, then maybe it's Swiderski. Maybe Swiderski says, I need to come back to the center circle and I need to receive the ball there. You said he's more than a striker. Yeah. He's a creator. If if and I'll make the I'll make the comparison for Swiderski to someone who he is not as good as, but plays the same role on the squad. Harry Kane. The way Harry Kane plays football for Spurs is what Swiderski needs to do for Charlotte FC. When Swiderski is not getting service, he has to come to the ball. Mm -hmm. He has to go to the center circle, receive a pass, turn, and create. Mm -hmm. When Harry Kane is not getting service for Tottenham, he goes to the center circle, he receives the ball, he turns and creates. He changes his role Mm -hmm. in the middle of the match. We've seen Swiderski play 90 minutes and not get service, and quite frankly, it is ugly. Yeah, he needs the ball. So, and the good news is, if you play a two-striker setup again against Colorado, Danny Rios can just be the striker. Just stay up top, dude, and let Swiderski come Mm -hmm. in behind, and he could hit Bender on a diagonal run. Mm -hmm. He could potentially feed the ball to Adam Armour as well and watch Adam Armour go. Or hit it and and, and do a give-and-go with your strike partner, Rios. That, to me, tomorrow night, what I want to see is that. I I literally will be watching the center circle tomorrow night just to see if any Charlotte FC players go in there. And if they don't, when we talk early next week, we're going to have a huge problem because – at this point, that is a glaring issue with this squad. And if MAR is not going to find somebody to go do that, maybe use Vyak's the guy to do that. Maybe he's the guy. I don't know. When we first started reporting on Yusviak coming to the team, what did we say? There was some criticism of not having a ton of goals in his play in the in the uh, English Championship for Derby. And what did the front office say? It's not really about him scoring goals. It's about him creating goals. And he created a game winner in his first ever appearance. I think that's pretty special. He's classy. Get excited, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Get excited. I hope he gets a start on Saturday. He should. He's in line for the start. If he starts, though, you got to drop either Bender or Rios, I think, or Alcivar. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, do do you want a newsflash? He's better than all those players. <laughs> Great point. That's, that's well said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We want him in. We can sort of move on to Colorado, maybe get into a projected 11 here in a second, but I do know that one thing that no matter who the personnel is, is always going to present a challenge, especially when it's our first time going through, is playing at that altitude. And I do think it's probably a good thing that the team flew out there on Thursday so they could wake up on Friday, go to bed in Colorado on Friday, and then wake up the next day for the game. I think that's smart to acclimate yourself. We talked about that on the road while we were sitting in traffic. We said, hey, what do you think Charlotte FC's travel plans are going to be? Because when you thought about it, it was a super quick turnaround to finish that game, 120 minutes Wednesday night. We walked out of that stadium at 10 Mm p.m. They probably got on the road at around 10, 30, 11. Mm -hmm. 
to get back into Charlotte at one thirty, and all of a sudden it's Thursday, mm-hmm. and you've got a match Saturday night in Colorado. So they did the right thing by flying out Thursday night, like you said, waking up this morning in Colorado, definitely going to be a training session for Charlotte FC at altitude, and we'll see how that impacts this team tomorrow night. But I think this, this potential opportunity that exists is and this is how important results become when we talk about energy, we talk about momentum, we talk about good vibes. Right? When you leave Greenville that night, it's good vibes only on that bus. Everybody played. Players who didn't get to play have now been on the pitch and they've been part of a win. Mm -hmm. They feel like they're more a part of this program. Mm -hmm. And they know they're probably going to be in that U.S. Open Cup match against Richmond in a couple weeks. Yeah, right. They they have something they can start getting ready for, you know. Exactly. So, all of a sudden you get to Colorado. You've got a U.S. Open Cup win under your belt. The team is gelling. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy. And I think MAR looks at the dressing room and says, let's do it again. Mm -hmm. Why can't we win another road game? Because remember, we've been trying to break through the barrier that is a road win. Road point. Couldn't do it in New England. Couldn't do it in Atlanta. Couldn't do it in Philly. But they got it done in Greenville. I think this team can win on Saturday night. Uh, And I think so, too. I mean, I always think we can. And on paper, this should be our best chance of the road games because New England, Philadelphia, and Atlanta are on paper a lot better than Colorado. And Colorado's kind of reeling as well. Colorado has lost two in a row. Colorado is a team that was a playoff team in MLS last year and exceeded expectations a lot, made it to CONCACAF Champions League, had an embarrassing exit from the CCL. They lost a uh, home-and-home tie to uh, the Guatemalan champions, I think, in the ra- in the quarterfinals of the CCL. They blew that. So they- Colorado's down. Colorado's down. They're, they're a team that's struggling to find a little bit of an identity. They have a quality coach who I believe was coach of the year last year, a British guy named Jack Price who's sort of like a hard man, set-piece taker, a uh, you know, an extremely poor man's Roy Keane, if you will. <laughs> they're not a bad team, but they're a vulnerable team, and we can get them. I'd love to hear that. Is there anybody specifically on the pitch that we should be looking for when it comes to Colorado? If you don't know Colorado that much, look out for Barrios and Diego Rubio. Those are their danger men, basically. The thing is they change their lineup a lot, so it's possible that neither of those two guys start. A weird squad, Colorado. They do change it up a lot. I will keep an eye on those. I I don't know Colorado Rapids very well. I'm going to learn a lot about them Saturday night. It's a 9 o'clock Eastern kick, a fun late-night kick. The thing that pisses me off the most about MLS is that the games don't start on time. In England, when the game starts at 7.45 p.m. East, not Eastern, British Standard Time, the game starts, literally. That's when kickoff when, is, When the yeah. second clock hits that time. <laughs> yep. In MLS, it doesn't work that way, and boy, is that annoying to me. Um, so 9.08. 9.08, that's pretty fair, yeah. Most MLS kickoffs, the, uh, an MLS kickoff will always be at least eight minutes after the scheduled time, but can be up to 25, so you always want to know if you're, an, if you're an eight or a 25 on that swing so this game should be wrapping up around 11 o'clock on saturday night and hopefully we'll be we'll be celebrating with some beers um so for a projected 11 for charlotte fc i think let's just quickly start at the back we'll put super Kalina in at one good nice game georgie and greenville but we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and put the number one back in we go with Jalen Lindsay. Jalen Lindsay's back, back in and right back. Had a nice rest. Harrison yeah. Affle put in a nice 120 he minutes. Yeah, he can't play. Affle can't play yeah. 100, so, after 120. Yep. Jalen's in. Now it's we've got the first two. We always get those two. Now it gets interesting going across the back line. Who are your center backs? Well, 
th- this is where Joseph Mora's um, minutes on Wednesday come into play because Mora on Wednesday he went for 85 minutes so can he turn around and go and start again it's it's a lot to ask of a veteran but I think he could he doesn't run that far (laughs) he doesn't doesn't really cover a lot of ground so I think he's going to be okay I think I would I put Mora as my projected left back okay and then I think we got Fuchs and Carujo as the two center backs Maybe this is just what I want to see, but that I think it's going to be Lindsey, Fuchs, Carujo, Mora across the back line. I would not be surprised to see McCoon at the center back position with Guzman and Fuchs left back. Only because I'm just not sure Joseph Mora can do 90 and 90 in four days. I wouldn't be shocked if I say that either. So that, that would be, if I don't see what I projected, I would expect to see what you just projected. And the only other thing that I could potentially come up with in the back, and this is something that I want to happen sooner rather than later for this squad, because I do think there's a formation out there for Charlotte FC that is a three at the back formation with Guzman in the center, McCoon on the right, and Fuchs on the left, flanked by wingers Jalen Lindsay and Adam Armour. That, to me, is like the potential back five. And then you can even make it a back six, too, if you put Bronny Bro in front mm-hmm. of them to where you have guys covering for a back three. Mm-hmm. But the pieces, the chess pieces are in place for this team to play a back three. I don't think it can happen Saturday night because of Adam Armour's 120 minutes and, and knock at the end of that match. So that's why I've got Fuchs at left back. Kuna Guzman in the middle, and then Lindsay on the right. I think Bronny Bro sits in front. Derek Jones got a lot of PT. He looked okay against Greenville, but I don't think it earned him to start on Saturday. I think Jones is doing everything we want on the defensive side of his responsibilities, but he's not making, and he's also calm and poised on the ball once he wins it back, which is great, but he's not making those connections to the next level of the midfield, which is what you've been on and on about. Uh, not liking, which and I completely agree with you. So I think Bender is going to be in the lineup as well. Obviously, Svidersky, and I think Yuzviak gets the start too. So I'm not, I'm not sure what that formation looks like, but I think that you could go 4-3-3 in this match if you wanted to. Yeah. I think that you In which case, I'd want to see Bender in and Rios dropped. I mean, in a 4-3-3, I'd like to see Rios dropped and Yusviak, Svidersky, Bender along the top top three. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that's like a real possibility in this match for the first time. And have then, like a, a four three three with the with the three forwards who are just like going mm-hmm. for goals. And then Franco and Alcivar playing as as dual dual eights through the channels in the middle, getting into that center circle like you talk about, mm-hmm. kicking it back out to the wing, being those transitional pieces. And Bronnebro has shown a little bit better ability than Jones so far to uh, to link up with that play, and so hopefully we'll see a it's, lot of it on Saturday. The only issue that I have with that 4-3-3, Brams, is that central midfield role for Bronico. That's like a big job. Yeah, that's a real big job. It's a huge job. I, I could see, and I, I, we haven't seen this yet, I could see Franco doing that. I think Franco could play the six, you know, and be a little more defensive-minded because he's such a harrier and such a little blue hornet just getting in everybody's face and stinging, like... He, he could do that. I, I like him in a transitional box-to-box trying to create some offense also. I've read some commentary that Franco's not much of a creator, but he does have one assist, and he also assisted TT's off, offside goal in D.C. first ever, you know. So 
I think Franco is actually kind of a creator, but he, I think he also has it in him to play the pure six if Bronny Bro or Jones wasn't available. Yeah, it's really fun to think about because Camille Uzviak now being in this squad has absolutely given MAR the the free reign to look at his tactical binder and say, I can play seven different formations mm-hmm. now that I actually have three forwards. Yeah, and, and that that just puts a grin on my face, you know, because we've already seen in, in a short time how creative and how these little effective tweaks that MAR is able to make the formation are so if uh, impactful. If Yuzviak doesn't start on Saturday, I'll be very disappointed. It's fair. I'll be extremely disappointed. I know that's a lot to ask coming off of, uh, you know, 30 minutes or, you know, maybe almost an hour, really. They came on in, like, the 60th and went to 120. Mm-hmm. It's like an hour. So if he did want to come in as a super sub, that's fine, but I think that's what TT's going to end up having to do. And I, I like Rios as a super sub, too. I, I have no problem with Rios starting. I think he's fine when he starts, but I, the times that he's come closest to scoring have usually been when he's coming as a sub. Yeah, So late in the match. Yeah. He's a big so, body late yeah. in the match that can get yeah. in the box. When the team, when he's got the sort of the uh, energy advantage over the defense. If you're thinking about a potential score line, I think, you know, can Charlotte get two goals? On the road. Is the question. On the road. Just did it at Greenville, but it took extra time. Could they get two goals on the road for the first time at Colorado at altitude with a squad that's a little stretched thin? I don't know, but I think I think that Charlotte could potentially get out of mountain time with a 1-0 win. I think that this is like potentially setting up for a 1-0 Charlotte win. I think Colorado's a team that we can hold to a clean sheet. They're, they're not a huge offensive threat. I mentioned a couple of the guys earlier who are sort of danger men, but again, they, they have inconsistent playing time. And, and I just never like... I never fear Colorado. They're kind of a team that can grind you down, play disciplined in their home matches to uh, to eke out victories, but they don't know what's coming for them, to be perfectly honest. They, they, uh, maybe they've been watching film, but I don't think they're ready. I'm going to say 1-0, just like you, though. Okay, cool. So I think we're, we're in agreement there, and I think um, Saturday for the match, what's, you, what's your plan? Um, I, I've got a big weekend. I think I've got to watch at home uh, this weekend. Yeah, I, this is a match that I really want to focus on because I feel like this is a, a need to really know where the team is at analytically and maybe take a little bit of my fan bias off and, and sort of approach it almost a little more, not as a neutral, but just as uh, a little more objective than some of the matches that I do. So I'm going to probably be watching at home, sipping on some whiskey, nice. paying very close attention to every single uh, movement that I can find on the screen. So you asked me, and by the way, follow me on uh, Twitter at John Hayes on air. Follow at Danny Brams. I really appreciate you. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review of the pod. And um, I asked you, uh, I've, I've asked you to do those things. And if you could do one other thing for us, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening on Spotify, um, it really helps us if you follow the show. If you follow the show, you get the episodes delivered directly to you, and the latest episodes are always ready in your podcast feed. So so please do that for us. And if you do, we're going to shout you out. Like, JMATS19 gave us a great review a couple weeks ago. Really awesome. Call our show open and honest. We, we really, really appreciate that. Sean7656, I hope you're out there still listening. Thanks for that review. Russell in ATL says we've taught him more about soccer in six weeks than 15 years of being a casual fan before that. Wow. This is an Atlanta guy who, uh, I don't know exactly why he's loving Charlotte but we're very happy that he is and uh, thanks Russell and thanks all our reviewers thanks all our followers and listeners we love you yeah we really do and uh, 
you're the reason why we do the show, by the way. Like, we, we, we don't like talking into, like, an empty void. Right, yeah. We like talking to y'all. We don't expect to get rich, famous, or e- any combination of either of those. We really just do this because we enjoy it. There's no doubt about it. And you asked me in the, in the, in the past on Match Day, like, what are the two things that you want to see? So let's just wrap up the show with that. Come Sunday morning, what are the two things that you want to see Charlotte FC to, to do Saturday night to achieve that one nil result? I'm going to say Fuchs, center back, and Swiderski, sole striker, with three midfielders supporting him. Sweet. And then and two, two wingers on his flanks? Yep. That would be bad. That's badass when you think about it. What I would like to see is another Uzviak assist. Let him be the assist man. And Swiderski get on the score sheet. I would also love to see the TT Ortiz super sub goal again. I can get this thing done 2-0. Because all of a sudden, and I don't think we're giving him enough credit here, TT started the season with a goal that got taken away. And it took weeks for him to get another one. Sometimes things happen in bunches. He's now back-to-back games with a goal. Mm-hmm. He scores again on Saturday. That's three goals in the week for TT Ortiz. And all of a sudden, we have to start having a different discussion about this guy mm-hmm. and asking ourselves, has TT settled into his role in Charlotte FC? Right. He's someone that we had such high hopes for when he was first signed, and then he's been a bit of a disappointment. But he's starting to come a little better, and he could be coming very good. Exactly right. So if, if, if T.T. Ortiz gets on the score sheet on Saturday night, it's on. Because not only is he our goal scorer, Swiderski is, Camille is, Bender is, Rios should be. He hasn't opened his account yet. And you start to look at the roster and you say, hmm, where are the goals coming from? They come from anywhere. <laughs> Let's go. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brands, we're here at Anneli's. Um, in Park Road Shopping Center. What a good place to be. What a, what a hang out on Coffee Cast. Cheers to, to a Coffee Cast. Um, follow us on Twitter, and we'll be back with you early next week with our recap episode. Hopefully, we're talking about a Charlotte FC Road W. Or the Crown, baby.